0: Mormon Happy Hour. My name is Colleen Dietz. Join me and my guests each week for an entertaining recap of the hottest topics in Mormonism. We keep tabs on social media and headline news so you don't have to. Don't miss our live pro tips as you adjust to your new and exciting post-Mormon life. Mormon Happy Hour is here to bring you the irreverent side of Mormonism, wherever you may be. Welcome to episode 55. I just wanted to make a statement so you know where I stand on a particular current hot topic within the ex Mormon and Mormon community. I apologize that I am not stating it explicitly for those who may not know what I'm referring to. Providing attention and platform for this current stunt is not something I'm interested in. However, I do have an opinion for what it's worth, and this is my podcast. Using women's bodies to enact your own revenge is unacceptable. Using a woman's body, sexual identity, sexual behavior to elicit shock and horror is damaging to all of us, men and women, Mormon and ex-Mormon alike. It reinforces the shame regarding sex that is already present in Mormon culture, and specifically the sexuality of women of all sexual orientations. So here's my two cents. You get it because you're here. Don't weaponize women's sexuality to fight your man's war. Back the fuck off and leave us out of it. This week, I have been mailing out another round of swag for my Patreon supporters. Most tiers on Patreon come with swag and exclusive access to videos of almost all of my interviews, sometimes even days before the episodes are even published. The following supporters will be receiving three Mormon Happy Hour stickers, and a few will be getting buttons and a magnet. Lori Z, who said she will be plastering her car with stickers, deep in the heart of Mormontown really makes my heart just sing. Lori Z, Paul A, and Scott K are all new and are showing immense support. Thank you so much, guys and lady. You are getting one of all of the merch I have. Also getting swag will be Mindy M, Laura H, Corbin K, Mark Whitley, Sierra R, and Greg S. Thank you so much, So watch your mailboxes and thank you for your continued support. If you want your own swag bag, join us on Patreon. Swag rewards start at the $2 level and grow with the higher tiers. You know what else grows? My ability to create more amazing episodes for you. This month I am bursting with new content, so I will begin posting lots of content exclusively on Patreon because I just have too much. Don't miss anything. Come join us on Patreon. If we all work together, I can quit my day job and just entertain you exclusively. I'm down with that plan. Are you? If you can't kick in a few dollars, you can do your part by telling your apostate friends that they need to be listening. Send them your favorite episode and leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you podcast, and be sure to use subversive swears or they'll get stuck in the uptight iTunes swear purgatory filter forever. Now for today's panel, I brought two delightful women to tackle all of our feels surrounding the topic of motherhood within Mormonism. We each have a very unique perspective and we each feel like a minority, So are we? Or are these feels a silent common majority amongst us females? Let us know if the things we talk about today ring true in your life, or if we're just the weirdos. I think we can take that. Without further ado, please enjoy. Welcome to Mormon Happy Hour. I am joined with two lovely ladies today to discuss a very unique topic that we haven't actually talked about before on Mormon Happy Hour. So I'm thrilled that we get to talk about something new. So, today to join me for a fabulous discussion on motherhood, I have Paige and Chloe. Now, Chloe, you probably remember, she's been on a couple times recently. Love Chloe. And Paige's new, <laughs> and Paige is our newbie. She's our new victim for tonight, so I'm really excited to break her in. So, and the the fun thing that Paige, you can kind of talk about. that Paige is an active member, and which kind of it, she has a very unique approach to Mormonism that I love and that I could definitely get behind. So, hear her out. I'm thrilled to share her with you, and without
1: further ado, um, Paige, do you want to go first introducing yourself today? I would love to. Um, some basics. I, I'm Paige. I'm 23 years old. Um, I live in South Jordan, Utah, which for those who are not from Utah, is the south uh, suburb of Salt Lake. Um, yeah, I've been married for about a year, loving it, um, and in terms of the church, I was raised active. I was raised in a fairly orthodox home. Um, loved it like I had a great childhood everything was great until I was in high school I started having you know your standard questions and doubts about church history and um, it actually kind of started with motherhood because I had realized that I didn't really want to be a mom but everybody around me wanted that and that kind of started my spiral into all these questions and doubts about the religion so I was inactive for a couple years and just about two years ago I decided to come back ultimately because I missed it um I did feel like something was missing in my life I did explore other churches and they didn't fulfill me the way that Mormonism does um is that to say that I agree with the church completely absolutely not I reject that it is the holder of absolute truth there are a lot of policies and you know things that were taught that I completely disagree with and that I don't live myself um but what's helped me a lot is separating the gospel from the church and just building a relationship with god one-on-one um and coming to recognize the things that i'm okay i'm okay with the things that i have a problem with things that um do make me feel guilty versus things that don't make me feel guilty so i i do approach mormonism in a very unorthodox kind of way but um i try to be very open about it because i think a lot of people do but they're afraid to talk about it so Um, In terms of like Mormon scholarship, I don't do a whole lot. I did just graduate um, UVU with a degree in English where most of my independent study was church related. I wrote a lot of essays on different aspects of Mormonism and I'm an administrator in two Mormon Facebook groups. So that's about the extent of my scholarship in Mormonism. (laughs) That's
0: right. And that's how I met you is you are, uh, yeah. since our, since our friend Jackson Washburn stepped down from millennial Mormonism, since he went on his mission, <laughs> mm-hmm. I like Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he He's stepped an down and, and you kind of, you're, you're the one that approves all of my Mormon happy hour episode posts. So yay. <laughs> <Sight-y>. <laughs> I think, uh, millennial Mormonism, that's the only Place that I kind of exist in that has active participating Mormons. That's the only mm-hmm. like. Other than that, I live in a pretty much an echo chamber of ex Mormonism, which kind of bites. But yeah. I try and be in those spaces. But once they find out who I am, I don't even have to participate. Once they find out who I am, they're like, "Pink," and I'm like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, I, so I enjoy it. They don't I really- want you anymore. No, they don't. That's
1: fine. That's fine. Great. I just want to be. Well, I want you there. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I I think it's great. I think that's what makes the group great is that we have all sorts of Mormons. We've got people that are ex mormons some people that were never Mormons, some people that are super Orthodox members. I love it. I love the diversity.
0: Yeah, I do too. And I like the way that it's, you know, the admin works where, you know. You guys let it happen and, you know, just be respectful. It's pretty much your only rule. And I love that because yeah. I think the dialogue is amazing that goes on in there. As long as people aren't dicks, then everybody can get along and have a good conversation.
1: You'd be surprised at how hard that is to follow for some oh, people Oh yeah. hell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and um, so Paige, what else do I want to ask you? So, so you have kind of an unorthodox approach to Mormonism. Uh, I know you, I know you a little now. Um, I know that you love to swear and I love that about you. It makes me (laughs) so happy. (laughs) So I guess we'll get to know you a little bit more as the interview goes on. Um, oh, what's your, what's your relationship with the temple? I know that's something that's coming up in your life and I think that's fascinating. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes, I would love to. Um, the temple is actually one of the things that brought me back to the church is it's always the place I felt very connected to God. Um, and I felt the spirit there. Um, and, and I love the idea of eternal families. I love that about this church that we can be together forever. Um, and so now that I'm married, I didn't get married at the temple because I didn't feel like I was ready. Um, and I'm actually very lucky that I had such supportive family members. Mm -hmm. Um, who actually encouraged me to marry civilly over getting married in the temple because they knew about the hard time I've had with the religion that I shouldn't jump into something so serious uh, (laughs) without being certain of it. So I spent this last year really studying the temple and really trying to, I don't know, determine whether or not it really was something I wanted to do or if it was just something I wanted to do because everybody else was doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have developed a relationship with the temple, uh, to the point where I think I'm ready to be endowed and be sealed to my husband. So, we are working on that right now. We should be getting our recommends within the next couple of weeks, which is exciting. That isn't to say I'm going to go through right away. I there's still a lot of um, literature I want to read, and there are a couple blogs that I've been reading that I want to get more into before hmm. I make that commitment. But, and especially with like the temple changes, that's really gotten me more excited because even now that's been the gender inequality has been something that's troubled me. Um, Full disclosure, I have watched the endowment ceremony video when I was 18 and really having a hard time with the church. And I'm really glad I did Mm -hmm. um, because now I have an idea of what to expect, even though there have been some changes since then. um, I feel like I know what I'm getting myself into at this point. So I'm ready. I'm excited. Um, We'll see. I'm not sure how I feel about, wearing garments and those kinds of things i'm not sure if i'm going to just most most i mean not just because i feel like if they've become so casual that they've lost their meaning um but that i do i mean I, i'll be completely honest i have endometriosis and it makes wearing garments that would make it very difficult for me to be able to live so uh yeah we'll see about that but we're both me and my husband both are very excited in. We'll see what
0: happens <laughs> yeah and i i have to say i really really um i respect that approach to the temple because i feel like you're going in with complete informed consent and you're making decisions for yourself rather than just performing in the the roles and the tasks that you were kind of programmed and expected and born to do that's how I feel when when I went through the temple. I didn't know what I was getting into. I hadn't watched the endowment session. I didn't know you were naked during the initiatories, which you're not anymore. But yeah. It was. I didn't yes. know Thank about god. like I didn't know about like hands over your head and chanting, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like the first time I went through, i like, like the marquee sign in my brain was like cult, 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 and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, and like I felt <laughs> terrible for thinking it, but I just like, and I never. No,
1: no, it. I. Yeah.
0: So I, I feel like if you can get something out of it that, that you value and that brings something into your life, you going in with the approach that I'm going to take something out of it that, that works for me and I'm going to leave everything else. And if it doesn't work, I have the, you know, the prerogative to change my mind at any time. And, you know, maybe I'll wear the garments, but probably not or whatever. Like you are going in with a relationship that you're going to take what you need and you are in control of yourself. I, I love that.
1: I really respect that. Exactly. And I don't have to go back. If I don't like it, that, mm-hmm. is, that may be a one-time thing and I never have to go back. So I like right. that I have the freedom to make that decision. So. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. That's Mormonism done right, quite frankly. <laughs> In my opinion, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like, that's religion done right. That's life done right, where you get to make those decisions. That's,
1: that's... Exactly, that's- exactly. I'm very yeah. against this... Um, doing things out of obligation or due to fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, that's not the way to live in my opinion. So that's kind of where I'm coming from on that. <laughs> you
2: know, it's so interesting too. I was having a conversation with someone this week just about the temple and the question came up, like, are we renting our salvation So we or eternal life? So we have to keep going back to the temple or once the covenant, once you've made the covenant, is that kind of done? And it was just an interesting question because yeah. maybe, I don't know if there's like, really doctrine about it other than like you're supposed to go back and we're told you're supposed to go back but mm-hmm. I'm I mean I'm no longer practicing so it I'm not going back but <laughs> <laughs> but it is an interesting question like am I still even though I'm not practicing I did have those I did make those covenants so you know what does that mean yeah yeah, is a good question. yeah.
0: I feel like I made mine under duress so I feel like mine are null and void regardless <laughs>
2: There you go. Love it. Well, I reject mine now, and so it doesn't really matter. But you know,
0: uh, well, Chloe, now that you're jumping
2: in the conversation, I want you to give.
0: I want to give you a chance to. Yeah. Yourself.
2: Well, I feel like I've been on here a couple times the last little bit, so I'll keep it really short. I'm <laughs> single, so I'm not. You know, we're going to talk motherhood, and it's an interesting (laughs) topic, being single. Um, And I don't have kids also, so, Uh, and I'm part of another podcast, Wardless, uh, and that's kind of, it's kind of me. Mm -hmm. So there you go. I'm a working professional, engaged once, decided not that marriage wasn't for me, but he definitely wasn't for me, and so, you know. Until someone who is for me comes along, yeah, so not for me. Or anyone, really. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. you want to ask me questions, find me on Facebook. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. Yes, not for anyone.
0: All right. So that's me. Thank you so much for coming back again and again, Chloe. I'm going to start making assumptions about how, how you feel about me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so good about you. Yes. all right um so our topic today oh wait before before sorry before we get to the topic I busted out I got I spent the big bucks this is like this was like double what I normally spend on a bottle of wine uh let's
2: are you drinking red
0: I know look at it look at this look at this what okay girl so I started with Moscato fucking sweet. So sweet. It's like a juice box with booze in it. Really. Let's be honest. It's just juice. And And then I was like, man, okay. It's too, it's too sweet. It's too sweet. So then I was like, well, I'll take like a half step down. And I went to Riesling, which is like a half a step down, still pretty sweet. And I I do love Riesling. It's good, but it I mean, it tastes a lot like Moscato. It was hardly a step down. Maybe I need to branch out with <laughs> different brands. I don't know. So Maybe. I, I really want to try a, a red. So I was having a hard time finding a sweet red. I didn't know if they existed. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to go super dry yet. I want to I step down into the pool step by step. So I found this came highly recommended in our Facebook group. Uh, it's a Stella Rosa. And this one's actually Stella Rose Roseau is the name of it, and it has a sweet little uh, sweetness scale. So on a scale of one to ten, this is a six. And I compared it to the Moscato that was the sit- same brand that was sitting on the shelf, and the Moscato was also a six. So I was like, "Oh, okay, I can do that. I can do that, right?" I do that. Oh,
1: okay. I can handle
0: it, right? So uh, awesome! It smells like a red Moscato. It doesn't smell like super fermented, like wine, like red wines often do. So, I'm gonna taste this for you guys. And you have an
2: ice cube in it.
0: Well, yeah, because we've been sitting here for a while, and I'm like, God damn it, it's gonna get warm. So I wouldn't (laughs) go. I love it.
2: I love it. That's so me. I had Moscato last night, and I put ice cubes in it. Oh yeah, because it wasn't cold enough.
0: No, Moscato's so good on ice. I know that's really, really right? trashy, but I don't care.
2: <laughs> Whatever, I'm trashy. With wine? Can you be trashy with wine? Is that? Possible? I don't
0: think so. Right? Well, I mean, yeah, I it's think like so. Super cheap <laughs> grocery store wine. I think so.
1: <laughs> wine in a box. Yeah. Out of I a can. Oh, yeah.
2: I've seen those. <laughs> <laughs> they exist. I have not done them yet either, but they exist. So, Chloe, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking a dirty Diet Coke and not a dirty Diet Coke the way Mormons understand it, but a truly dirty yeah. Diet Coke. <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> and tell awesome. us what Diet that Coke, is. Malibu, Lime. Yeah, mm. Diet Coke, Malibu, and Lime. Because mm. I'm a teenage girl when it comes to drinking, I'm way <laughs> behind. I'm catching up. You're a teenage girl with a lot more than just wine, and it's beautiful. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> stay young 40 hey. go, 41 going on 14 maybe Ooh, love it. <laughs> Hey, it's a good age it's go. a good
0: age to get started <laughs> I, I <have> <laughs> year old. oh my god no no it's not but for you for you <laughs> <can't get> <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, Paige, what are you drinking or what what would you be drinking if you could like reach the top shelf mm. i guess
1: I know. Well, my, we have a cupboard above our fridge, and I have to go grab a chair, and so I could reach it. I'm just lazy. But in our fridge, we had some Mike's Hard Lemonade, so I'm going real pansy tonight. But, <laughs> um, it's so good. I love lemonade. So I'm like, put some alcohol in there. We're good. So, But if it was my way, I'd actually just be drinking straight vodka. I love vodka. My favorite, oh, my gosh. So I'm all about it. <laughs> I have had it once it. straight, um, I mean, I, I you know what's weird is I actually like orange juice with it. I don't know if that's normal, but I love juice I love vodka, so I'm like, might as well put them together. But mm-hmm. if I don't have that option, I will just drink it straight. I and I like the flavored ones too that you can get liquor store. They have like peach vodka. Um, They've got like like berry type vodkas. They're all very good. So the yeah. vodka girl.
2: <laughs> How was your? Strength? I could maybe do the flavors. Yeah. I, it was accidental. It was vodka in a water bottle in my fridge that a friend of mine had, for, like, had left on my counter. I popped it into my fridge thinking it was a water bottle. And I was thirsty one day and just was like, oh, there's a water bottle. Huge <laughs> gulp oh of what I thought was water. And I was like, oh, my gosh. This is not water. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> we bad. Oh, so, oh man. I have was- yet to try again. maybe someday
0: I thought you were gonna tell me you punked yourself like you know you put it in a water bottle to bring to something you know to sneak it in and then you
2: I did not (laughs) no no my lovely friend who was (laughs) staying with me for a couple nights had it well, and the best funny. part was, my father was right there when it happened because he was helping me move, and so I couldn't even react because he <gasps> doesn't know I drink, and so oh, I just yes. had to swallow it down, <laughs> pretend like nothing happened, no chaser, spit it out, and be super grateful that that was not the water bottle he grabbed out of my fridge.
0: Oh, that would have been so fun. <laughs>
2: yeah, oh, no, not, not so much. <laughs> It's it's rubbing alcohol, Dad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I keep it in my fridge in a water, water bottle. bottle or, in a water bottle, it works better cold, Dad. You should try it. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's more. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So I stick with the vodka mixed into things still. Yeah. yeah. No, so, no, straight vodka for me yeah.
0: Speaking of mixing vodka and and how I'm trying to branch out from just Riesling now I had a giant bottle of Riesling that I complained is too sweet so I was like trying to look up like recipes to like put it in something that maybe wouldn't make it so sweet uh-huh. but every all the recipes that I found like called for like mango juice and orange juice and I'm like I don't want more sugar oh. I want less sugar but they all had vodka yeah. added yeah, yeah. And so I I like poured myself a glass of Riesling, like up to here. And then I like filled it up to here with vodka and I'm like, and then I sat on the couch and got real stupid after one glass.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh. That'll do it. So funny. It was great. It was good times.
0: So, um, so our topic at hand came to us. It was kind of a, a group effort that just kind of like, like that. It came together. I, I think I, I kind of owe Chloe, but Paige was really the genius behind it because it's all her thoughts. So... Unintentionally. We, <laughs> so Paige made a post in a closed Facebook group of again. So I'm going to let her kind of share whatever she would like to from that post. And Chloe and I both read it. Chloe sent it to me and I was like, oh, Paige wrote that. Let's talk to her. And it was about motherhood. And we all kind of chatted and realized that we all have very um what feels like a minority when it comes to mormonism and motherhood all three of us in very different ways so we got we decided we're going to get together and talk about mormonism from our perspective or motherhood and mormonism from our perspective so um i I haven't even tasted my wine yet. just a minute
1: take a sip girl oh that's good
2: that's very,
0: very
2: <laughs> good. This is digressing this is momentarily. Way. Uh-huh. Do you have the app Vivino?
0: I saw you talking about There's this about app.
2: That. Okay. Yeah, there's this app called Vivino. And you can you take a picture of the label and from the label it pulls the information and then you rate it.
0: Uh-huh. Super interesting,
2: because then I can keep track of when I try things. So there's mm-hmm. my there's my free advertisement for an app that's <laughs> also free.
1: Sponsor me. <laughs> mm, this is really good. Please.
0: <laughs> so this wine, it's it definitely tastes it's sweet and it still has that red wine flavor. And the reason I know what red wine tastes like was not because I drink it. I have I've forced myself down like one glass before. I hated it. But I always put red wine <laughs> in my steak marinades. So I'm like drinking it. Oh drink, yeah. Mm, it tastes like red wine and raw steak because <laughs> Always associated <laughs> with Delicious. Amazing. So amazing. I'm going to have to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Paige, can you tell us about your post?
1: Yes. I actually just pulled it up. So that's why I kept looking at the site. <laughs> but so I actually just joined this group and not like for the purpose of having this discussion, but it just kind of hit me. So I just laid it on there and I started with saying I've never really wanted children, at least not biologically. I've never had any interest in being pregnant or delivering anything like that. So that's being basically just how, if anyone feels the same way, because I do feel very isolated in that regard. I don't feel discriminated against or anything, mostly because I haven't really talked about it, but I do feel like a minority in that regard because the because families are central to the church, and I mean, hello, the family proclamation to the world, which I don't like. We can maybe discuss that later. But um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I've just even as a kid, I've never really felt that. Oh, I want to grow up and be a mom. I was always like, I want to grow up and be a teacher. I want to grow up and do. I want to work. Like that. Those were always my goals: is to have a career. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically. So I was asking. Um, would being child free be an insult to God? Um, and what if I never changed my mind? Because I think that's the response that a lot of people give whenever I do express that is, oh, wait till you're older, you'll change your mind. Okay. Mm -hmm. But like, what if I don't, what happens then? You know? So I was actually very surprised with the positive response from that. I got lots of comments on there telling me that I'm not alone, that I feel the same way, uh, which was really nice because we don't talk about not wanting kids. We always just talk about how we want kids and like our future families. And we are mm-hmm. basically like primed to have children, right? Like when I was in mm-hmm. young women's, I remember most of my lessons being about motherhood and having a family and being a wife and those kinds of things. I, and it's not to say I didn't have a good experience in young women's. I actually loved being in young women's. It was a really fun time for me, mm-hmm. but I can't remember any lessons where we were talking about education or being a, if anything, a working mom or just other parts of our lives that matter also, you know, like I, I am more than a wife and mother. I, I love being my husband's wife, but that's not my purpose being here. I am my own person and my identity is not Jacob's wife, right? It's I'm Paige and I have so much to offer besides being a wife and maybe being a mother one day, but so far, I don't know if that's going to happen. So
0: I love that. So many good perspectives right there. So much to go on. Chloe, do you want to react before we move on? Because, I mean, you read it. You sent it to me. So what, what were your thoughts reading that?
2: Um, my initial thought was I, I wish more people would talk about it. And I remember, and I'm going to bring in, and she's not my favorite by any means, but I did like this thing she said. I In graduate school, I went to BYU for grad school, and I was in some sort of lecture with Sherry do. And she made this comment that like expecting everyone to only be a mother is kind of like expecting everyone, every man expecting every woman to only be a mother. And that's it is kind of like expecting men to only be dentists. And what if you just don't want to be a dentist? What if you hate everything about being a dentist that, you know, that that's kind of ridiculous. And so thinking, okay, well, maybe you have to be a dentist part-time, but you also do all these other things, right? And that's kind of men and fatherhood, like at least in the church, how it's talked about mm-hmm. is men, yes, they're fathers, but they also are expected to have careers, expected to be providers. And women, it's not the same thing. And I had a different experience. Like I always wanted children growing up, but it wasn't, I, you know, I'd say it wasn't the church per se. I didn't, I never felt pressured how much of that was my upbringing and being told that I was supposed to, I don't know. It's, I can't untangle those. Right. But, um, but I always did. And I'm, I love my nieces and nephews. I've gone, my mom passed away. So I've gone to help with basically every single one when they've been born. Like I've been the, the mom figure, like grandma figure that's come in and like done the late night feedings, changed the diapers, done all, you know, relieved my siblings so they could get sleep. Um, so, but then I just got older and I definitely, when I didn't get married and was still single and I had limited kind of my career options based on this thought that I would someday be a mother Mm. and I wanted to have flexibility, there was a lot of bitterness for a while because I thought, well, this sucks right? It just totally sucks. And now that I'm the age I am, I am I I don't think I want kids. I'm not totally against it. If I were to meet someone and they really wanted them, I would consider it because I'm not, like, for me, it's not something that I didn't want. I also, though, I'm like, I'm 41. And if I were to have a kid now, like, I'd be an old mom, which which for some people when they that's all they've ever wanted. Mm-hmm. Great. And I applaud any I applaud women making choices that work for them, whatever that choice is. But for me at this point, I'm pretty content. And I and initially, Colleen, when we had started talking about this a little bit, it was really around nurturing and that you can get that nurturing need met if you've got it without ever having kids. You don't have to have kids to be a nurturer and to fill an an important role in a child's life, Mm -hmm. right? My nine nieces and nephews, like I feel a huge role in their lives and I'm very present and I feel like I love being able to do that. And actually I think if I had my own kids, I'd be really like, I would be sad that that would change a little bit because I love the relationship that I have with them now. That's amazing. So
0: I'm trying to, trying to even think where to start with, with like, with my perspective, because I, I don't remember, like my mother came from a large family. She was one of nine and her parents were converts to the church and they were like depression era, full in appearance is a really important thing. Very frugal, very, I don't know, like they worked hard, but I feel like their priorities weren't something that, that I would feel good with. And that's kind of what my mother was raised in. And so my mother always, she would tell me that she always dreamed about having 12 kids. Like that's what she what was her goal. Her number was 12. And then she got married and they got pregnant and they had me and it was a little pre, like I was they got married in December. I was born the following December. So they got pregnant pretty quick and that was a little earlier than they wanted, but she was like, that's great. That's fine. Let's keep going. And then she had like miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And then my sister, when I was three, she carried to about seven months and so she was stillborn. So my mom had a lot of really rough experiences with childbirth and trying to become a mother. And then after the miscarriage the full term miscarriage then she started trying to adopt and um, she had at least two adoptions fall through after the child was born so that's that's another miscarriage i don't know if you've ever really been close Mm -hmm. to someone who's lost an adoption at full you know after the child's born but you are you're expecting a child and then all of a sudden child's gone. And so that's kind of like another Mm -hmm. miscarriage. And so she got burned a lot of times and I don't think that she ever really recovered, but I was still raised with the mentality that that I was to also have 12 children, that that was also my goal just because I watched how much it meant to my mother. And so it just, I just kind of absorbed it. And so then when I got married, I got married to BYU fully intending to never use birth control and just, you know, do all the mom thing. And then I had a really terrible marriage where I found out within the first year of marriage that my husband was a sexual predator and a criminal. And so it kind of, that kind of threw everything like, Oh my God, you know? So I kind of had to rethink everything, but I was still holding so hard to this, like, picture perfect path like if you do this you will be happy and so I tried so hard to do what I've been told to do like have the children go to church you know go to the temple keep all my covenants I was like white knuckling you know into church hoping that he was going to be the man that I deserved and that I wanted and all of those things um never happened but, and, and we struggled with infertility for the full nine years that I was married. Thank God. But it was a real experience that I experienced <laughs> being infertile and wanting, like thinking that I wanted that. But now that I'm out of it and I could look back, um, I'm really grateful for the experience, which is weird because I never wanted to say that out loud because I feel like it sounds insensitive to those who are still struggling with infertility. But for me, in my own experience, I'm I'm glad for the things that happened and because it taught me to find other ways to fulfill myself, to find those nurturing things, Chloe, that you were talking about, and to really learn a lot about myself and what makes me happy. Um, fast forward to I am in a new relationship. I have three stepchildren and one of my own now. And so everything has kind of changed for me. I went from zero to four children in under a year of my life. And so that was like, Oh my God, that was the baptism by fire. Like you would not believe. <laughs> and, right. And like, and I was, I was their caregiver. Like I live with them from, you know, from day one of that, that year period. And um, so I guess, I guess my perspective is that I'm there and now I don't know, like having, not had children and learn to fulfill myself without them. Now that I have them, I can't do those things anymore. And so now I feel trapped and I'm now I feel like well now what do I do? Because I learned how to make myself happy. I learned how to fulfill myself. I don't know how to do this motherhood thing because it sucks. Like I can't be that independent person that does the things that I need to do right then and there to be happy and to take care of my mental health and my emotional health and like, I, I have this responsibility, of these demanding children, and it's just, it's hard. Plus, plus, being a stepmom on top of that is just a whole nother, it's rough. So, I guess that's my perspective, is I'm like the, the mom, the Mormon, that thought I wanted a million kids, and now I have four, and I'm like, I don't want any of them most of the time. And so... <laughs> So I still struggle with that because like, I have all that Mormon programming still that I should be loving what I'm doing and I should find fulfillment. But at the same time, you know, it's hard. It's really hard. So, I mean, that's my perspective, but I wanted to kind of let everyone kind of talk about like, what have we learned as women in Mormonism?
1: Okay. So for my husband and I, Um, he's known from the beginning that I'm very uncertain about whether or not I want to have biological children. He's okay with that. I think he is in the state right now where he's just going to do whatever I decide. I don't, that kind of sounds like he's whipped. I don't mean it like that, but he's, he recognizes that I'm the one that has to do all of that, right? I'm the one that has to be pregnant for nine months. I'm the one that has to get sick. I have to go through all that pain. I have to deal with the recovery. That's me. He doesn't do any of that. So when it comes down to it, I do kind of get the final say because that's my body that we're putting um, kind of on the back burner while I grow another human. So I don't know. It's frustrating because I don't want him to feel like he's missing out on something because I don't want it. But that isn't to say we can not have children another way. I mean, I am totally in support of fostering and adopting Because I love older kids and teenagers, love them. I am not a baby person. I'm not a toddler person. So I'm hoping that maybe we can move forward with that at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a couple reasons why. The main reason is I, I mean, just to talk like female reproductive system, like I said earlier, I have endometriosis. I'm probably going to have a hard time getting pregnant anyway. Um, So there's that. And... My mom has had horrible, horrible experiences with labor. Um, And I seem to have been getting a lot of my reproductive problems from her. So I'm feeling like there's a pattern here that I might be following. Um, I mean, with me, I was her second child. The epidural didn't even work. I mean, I just came out and she was in labor for about 26 hours without any relief. Um, But the most traumatizing for her... I imagine. I mean, it was, as a child, I thought it was horrible because I was told my mom might not live through the night. Um, she had my twin sisters who are the youngest, um, by C-section and they were early, which is normal for multiples. Um, but when the doctor was, you know, like sewing everything back up, she was bleeding internally for two days and nobody knew because he had botched the C-section. So, you know, two days later, she stands up and I, I might be getting the details wrong, but I think she stood up to like go use the bathroom or something, and she just blacks out and passes out and hits the floor. And like by who knows like what divine intervention, but my her sister walks in at that time and like, you know, runs down, grabs the nurse and she gets into the operating room and gets all, you know, back to normal she had to have a blood transfusion. And I think it was about 40 units of blood that she needed to make up for the fact that she had been bleeding for two days without anybody knowing. And, you know, they fixed everything. Um, And afterwards, her doctors even were like, you should not be alive right now. You should have died. And they had mentioned that they felt there was like a divine intervention there. I'm not going to speak to that because I wasn't there. I personally feel like God was involved somehow just because, I mean, scientifically, she should not have survived that. Um, and a year later, she ended up having to get a hysterectomy as a result, which I think she was okay with because she already had five kids at that point. I've actually never asked her if she was okay with that, but I mean, it fixed all of her problems because after she had the twins and had all of that go wrong, she was basically like postpartum bleeding for that entire year. So she had to, you know, get all that taken out. So it was really scary time for all of us. We thought she was gonna die. Um, she thought she was gonna die. So it was terrifying. And I think pregnancy and delivery is not, I don't think people recognize how serious that is. I mean, people now can still die from that. It's not uncommon. I mean, I had a friend growing up, his mom died in childbirth as well. She was in a hospital and everything, and she still died. I mean, crazy stuff happens. It is a risk to your body. C-section, having a C-section is a major surgery. Um, I just, it's, I take it very seriously um, because of what happened to my mom and because of things I've heard that happened to other women. Um, So if if I do end up making that decision, which I don't think I will, it is something I take with, with gravity. It's a, it's a big decision. Mm -hmm. It's, it's
2: so interesting because I think it doesn't like people generally don't think, well, what's your experience been like, or your exposure to, pregnancy, childbirth, motherhood, been and how might that impact your decision? It just doesn't matter what your experience has been. The expectation is you should want to have children. Exactly. Right. And it's so interesting because there's so many other things we do in life where if someone's had a traumatic experience, it's, it is fine that that impacts their decision, but it's not, it's like societally and it's not just, I don't think it's just Mormons. Right. But that there's just this expectation that well you should just get over it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sucks. I hate that because I mean and then you get my sister who's had two kids and beautiful beautiful labors like fairly easy pregnancies as far as I know. I mean she did suffer with postpartum depression after her first child for a a short time. But for the most part like she had really pleasant experiences. So I've got these two experiences, one where like my mom almost died, right? And then my sister where everything went according to plan she had actually pretty short labors even but it's just I I don't know it's it's something like and I have no problem with like motherhood or anything like that I don't have any issue with people having children it's nothing like that yeah it's just, for me I just it's kind of like what you said Chloe about how you have the nieces and nephews you've had the experience of staying up with them and relieving their parents when they needed sleep I I I have a really good relationship with not only my niece and nephew from my sister, but from my husband's family. He has some older nieces and nephews and for some reason they all love me. So I love like the relationship I have with them. I love taking them out and going places. Um, and I, that's how I feel fulfilled. And there's even youth in my ward. Um, me and my husband gave talks when we first moved in and mine was very vulnerable and it was very well received surprisingly. And a lot of the youth, it resonated with some of them. So since then, like, I'll get hugs from youth in the war and, like, we we'll have a good relationship with those families. And I feel fulfilled that way. I feel like I, I feel fulfilled as a mentor, as, a, as an aunt. Uh, I get that nurturing in that way that you were describing, Chloe. And I don't think that, nurture, that nurturing is exclusive to motherhood. I think you can experience that a lot of ways. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We need people who can be a nurturer for people maybe who like don't even have really good home lives and don't get that nurturing from their own parents. Mm -hmm. um, Which is why I'm interested in fostering and those kinds of things because um, unfortunately there are parents that there are people that are parents that shouldn't be and Mm -hmm. um, their kids need adult figures in their lives that can give them the nurturing that they deserve.
0: I, I love what you're saying about, you know, being the nurturing, like both you, Chloe, and you, Paige, have, have been that that nurturing person in so many of your family members' lives. And, and Chloe, listening to you talk about being your mother, basically, for your siblings when they have kids, like, that's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And me thinking about that, since I have kids, I guess, like, my struggle in life always is I feel so trapped that I can't do the things that I want to do. And like Paige, you're talking about, you know, being nurturing in your community or in in your ward or, you know, or foster parenting. And there are people that can do that with children. I'm not one of them. Mm -hmm. And and I really struggle, um, I guess – I guess a lot of this goes back to my relationship with my mother, which was awful i i didn 't feel nurtured at all and um, and we don 't have a good relationship it 's pretty icy cold and and so I feel kind of stunted and broken when it comes to being a nurturing mother, but I can be a nurturing person in other people 's lives. no problem I love that i got a degree in psychology because that's something that really fulfills me is like, I enjoy interpersonal, but when it comes to relationships and, you know, being a mother and being a a nurturing to my own children, I, it's hard because I feel like I didn't have a good example. And I feel like I'm constantly struggling through a, a traumatic relationship that I'm I, I fear that I'm reliving in my own children and I know that I am in, you know, I see myself being, being the type of parent that I don't want to be and that I hated. And so it's really hard. Like, I feel like I have a lot of trauma kind of wrapped up in it and I can't be the nurturing person to my community and to, you know, extended people in my lives that I want to be. And so that's very frustrating because I'm overwhelmed at home. So, yeah. So, I feel I, like if, if I had had the choice, I would have preferred to do what you both are doing, I guess, is what I was saying. What were you going to say, Chloe?
2: I, well, I wonder how many people, and not to minimize how hard it is for you, but I also wonder how many people feel similarly and just don't talk about it because you're supposed to feel. Fulfilled in motherhood, and you're supposed to be able, especially in the church. Like, I watch some of my siblings, you're supposed to be able to be a mom and be the primary secretary. And if you work, also work and still do everything else and throw the Pinterest birthday party. And people say, Well, no, you just have to set boundaries. And it's like, But that's not in in a world where everything is, you know, even if you're not on social media, you're still interacting with all these other mothers like at church things or in, in play groups or whatever. And so I don't think people talk enough about how hard it really is. And like, I can, I can, I love that I can jump in and be super nurturer because you know what, after a few days or a week or even six weeks as I, you know, have helped a couple siblings and, and it's been great that I've been able to do that. I go back to my life and I can just reset, right? Mm -hmm. And I can, and I know like when I'm up all night helping with a baby, this is not my normal life. And I can't even imagine knowing like you're up with a baby and just going, oh, this is never gonna end. I mean, eventually they're gonna sleep through the night, but you know, at what Mm -hmm. point? And then am I worried about them? Then they're going out at night and I'm worried. And you know, so I I think you've got to, give yourself a little bit more credit maybe, and also recognize like there are lots, I think there's lots more women out there who feel similarly, but just don't feel like it's okay to talk about. Yeah, And I think there are probably some women who I've got a cousin who is like super mom and she loves everything about being a mom. And she just keeps being, you know, popping babies out and could not be more fulfilled. And you know, she also parents very differently than I would probably parent if I had kids. So
1: I don't know. Well, and that's good that there are people like that. Who, Absolutely. If there are parents that love it and they just are, that's how they find their fulfillment. Those are the people that should be having kids, right? Like, and they're good parents, but <sighs> women are not inherently nurturing. That's what I have a problem with is because like, take like me versus my husband, for example, my husband is way more just, like, sweet and soft-spoken than I am. I'm a lot more, like, firm, kind of in your face. I. Um, that's not to say, like, I don't have any nurturing qualities, but I'm definitely not as nurturing as perhaps the typical woman. Um, and that kind of frustrates me because in the church, I mean, even in the family of proclamations of the world, <clears throat> which I mentioned earlier, the, when that's describing – the purpose of like women and men and their and their roles as, as parents, it says that women's primary purpose is to nurture, like that's their job. And I'm like, ah, but like, what if that doesn't work? What if you're not a nurturing person? Are you supposed to force it and like fake it till you make it type thing? Um, that's that's hard, you know. And then what about like men that are better at that, and then women who are maybe better breadwinners, for example, you know. Well, I-
2: and it's so interesting too there because just the stigma around that and i know someone where that's definitely the case the woman is definitely a better breadwinner and and is a good nurturer in in her way of nurturing right like and he you know, was not the best breadwinner and would have done fine staying at home, but all the pressure from the church, especially Mm -hmm. from his family, kept him from doing that. Mm -hmm. And they were just, had a really hard time the whole time because they couldn't just go, no, this is who I am and this is who you are and let's just be who we are and navigate that, right? Just have individuality and figure it out. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that's important in all this discussion is not only is it our choice as women, whether we're going to become mothers, um, as I think it should be, and often it's not really a choice, um, is the effect that it's going to have on our children. And do our children deserve a, a, a mom that chose to be a mother and excels in it and who is nurturing and who loves being a mother or like me and my mom guilt like a mom like me who's more like Paige and I'm firm and I'm like you know and I don't feel like I'm nurturing and like honest disclosure time my stepkids you know I I provide a lot of structure I provide a lot of routine and 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 I try and teach them natural consequences and you know and build them up and, and make sure they're good humans like that's all really important to me but the piece that I feel like I lack is the love Like, I feel like I suck at that part. And so I feel like I kind of have, uh, I have a savior in that regard because they go home to their mom on the weekends who loves the shit out of them. And I'm like, hallelujah, someone in their life loves them because I suck at it. And so like, I'm glad, like, I feel like they, they have kind of, you know, they have the best of both worlds because they have, you know two moms, two dads, you know, they have all of this family, all these people in their lives, like parent teacher conference, all four of us are there, like for every single kid, Mm -hmm. like we're all there and we're all doing it together. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like when it's a team, like these kids have four adults in their lives, like, yes, it's overwhelming. And sometimes that sucks. But at the same time, you have four people going to bat for you. (laughs) You have four people that care about you. Mm -hmm. And at least you have a mother that loves you. If even you know, if your stepmother is kind of broken and doesn't know how, so you know, I think that's another really important thing to consider is not only are we making a choice for ourselves in our lives, we are making a choice for our potential children and what kind of life we're going to bring them into. I think that's really important yeah. to consider.
1: Totally agree.
2: What's so interesting is I think, like, I, if I when I think about. Potentially, could I have kids? Mostly, I just have FOMO on the like, I don't want to miss out on a life experience of being yeah. like pregnant and having a baby. Uh-huh. When it comes to like the actual kids, I'm like, man, I'm probably okay. But uh-huh. like, which is so weird because most, I, well, I don't know what most women think, but for me, that's it. But when it comes to dating, you know, at my age, I'm dating a lot of men who have been married, who already have a kid and don't want more, which I'm fine with. But I also... I'm fine with them not wanting more or not wanting any. I'm not sure how Mm -hmm. I feel about them having kids. Like, I'm like, no, if I have gotten to this point in my life and this is where I'm at, I don't really want to take on your Mm -hmm. baggage. Like, I just, that's a lot for me. So I applaud you, Colleen, for even being willing to do it. And not just one, three. (laughs) Yeah, right? And I can see doing, like, foster kids, I don't know what it is about, maybe because I know I could – Have them in my life for a little bit, and then you know they maybe go back or Mm -hmm. whatever. But something about stepkids, maybe because I didn't have a great relationship with my stepmom, or don't. I don't know.
0: Well, now you know.
2: And also, I just like my freedom. Yeah.
0: But now you know how good the sex was before I got married. Let's just let's just say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Throw that out there. Yeah. (laughs) I want to respond, Colleen, to what you said about love mm-hmm. because i think in the traditional sense of the word we're thinking like hugging all this affection kisses that kind of thing but mm-hmm. like i maybe you're just showing love in a different way like you maybe you're not showing it in that way that we're like conditioned to think that it is and how parents should love their kids right yeah. but I I think of my dad, who I have never doubted, has loved me. And I have a great relationship with my parents, even now. Like, I've always... I've I've had a pretty good relationship throughout most of my life. Um, But my dad, like, he raised us with kind of what you're describing as structure, um, natural consequence. He pushed us really hard in school, which made me feel like he didn't love me, because I felt so crappy when I would do poorly in school. And I would usually be punished for it, too. So I... I, but I never doubted that he loved me. I knew he loved me, but if I wanted a hug and, you know, affection, I wouldn't go to him. I'd go to my mom because I know that she would give that to me, but that doesn't mean that my dad didn't love me. I hope that's making sense. Um, but even, yeah, so I just, the word love, you know, I, I think it can mean you know, the way you express that, just be like speak the tough love thing, you know, just because you are setting boundaries and you have rules, those kinds of things, and maybe you aren't the the parent they go to for the hugging and the kissing. I mean, that doesn't mean that you don't love them and that doesn't mean they aren't getting love from you.
2: And I I think it brings up a really good point, again, that we have, we've been programmed to Think of things in very like, here is the example, and everyone needs to be like this, versus having that flexibility and going, This is how I love. How I love is I'm not the most huggy, touchy, feely, kissy. I show up. Like that's how I show my love is I show up and do you know and I'm called the Nazi auntie by my siblings because I'm the one that's like, No, you're not letting this kid sleep in your bed tonight. They are gonna cry and it's gonna anyway. And people are going to have opinions about that, but whatever. (laughs) I, you know, it's like, there's different ways to, to love totally to your Mm -hmm. point, Paige and different ways to nurture. And so I think, I think when you say I'm not nurturing, it's just different styles of nurturing. Right. So yeah, I think it's interesting.
0: (laughs) Thanks, ladies.
2: (laughs) I'm so tired. Well, just I'm so tired of like there's only one way to live your life, and that's I feel a lot, especially for women in the Moran Church who are raised to be mothers, that it is even more limited than a man who's going to have, you know, the expectation is to have a career and provide. It's like you need to fit into this box. And thankfully I feel like that's changing and evolving a lot, And I tried really hard when I was active and a young women's president to help that evolve a little, but it's hard when you're raised with, here's the expectation and here's the box. And if I don't fit in it, then something's, I'm not doing something right, which is just bullshit,
1: right? Um, yeah.
2: So there's my soapbox, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have strong feelings about that at all. Oh, <laughs> no. <Mm-mm>. No. <laughs>
0: I think we're all right that we feel like we're the minority in our own personal experience. And I think we may not be. And I think that goes a lot back to what Paige was saying about how people just, well, we are all saying, it. people don't talk about these things. People don't talk about the flip side of motherhood where maybe I don't want to be a mom. And so like, what can we do maybe as women to facilitate that conversation or to make it okay for women to live authentically and not be ashamed because I know, I mean, I'm a mom and I still feel ashamed for not wanting to be a mom.
2: I, For me, one of the things I do is I correct people as soon as I feel like they're pitying me for not having children. And I get, I'll get in people's faces a little bit, um, but I am very vocal about it and I'm comfortable doing that. The other thing is I have four nieces and I try really hard. I know it's only four people, but you know what, if I can help influence these four little girls, some of them are women at this point to believe differently. Well, that's four people who believe differently. Right. And so I try really hard just to be that good example, but I'm pretty vocal, especially, especially when people are like, well, you could, when I say, yeah, I'm probably not having kids. Like it's, Kind of, and they say things like, well, you could still have kids. There are people who have kids well into their 40s. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not saying I can't. I'm saying I probably am going to choose not to.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, that's probably what I'm doing because I'm pretty happy with my life. And I age wise, like, there's all these factors to consider. And so I just make sure I have that conversation pretty openly.
1: Yeah. I think so that's, that's, that's really my bad. part. I think that's really, bad. <laughs> sorry. Um, for me, <clears throat> sorry, i had a cough all week, so I apologize, but um, I think something, and it, it might be because of the era I grew up in with social media being on the rise, um, like right after, like my senior year of high school and getting out of high school is when social media really started to take off, um, and how, and this just uh, irritates the shit out of me, is like these Instagram influencers, whatever the fuck you want to call them. That, oh my gosh. Yes, you know, you, I don't even have to oh, explain yes. it and you know what I thought. I'm, 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 an, I'm about. an influencer.
2: Like what? Okay. Oh, cool. Right, like get a right. real job. I don't know. Um
1: <laughs> but like when women and a lot of them are Mormon moms. Like mm-hmm. if there's there was even this article about it. I read it in a magazine. I'm sure like, I read an it online too. article. You probably yeah. did. Yeah. Um and it explained why a lot of these influencers are Mormon, Mormon moms. And it's because of the way that we're raised. Like that is We have created this culture of where, like, that's the product. Is this these women that are treating motherhood like it's amazing? And I'm not saying it's not, but like it's only amazing. It's never hard, and like, there's it's that plus the whole culture of like, I'm not going to work, so I'm going to just I'm going to make money by like putting my kids on the internet, right. which I just not think working. not unethical. Yeah. Well, right? Exploitative. Totally. It's exploding. It is. Mm-hmm. And it's, I want, I wish that people in those positions would just be more real, like be more authentic because I think that because we spend so much time on our phones and a lot of moms do too, especially ones that are stay-at-home moms because they don't do anything else and not to say that like motherhood, they aren't busy being moms, but there's a lot of downtime when your kids are asleep or whatever, you know, they're on yeah. their phones. You need social engagement. Exactly. People need adult
2: interaction, whether it's social media or otherwise. or otherwise. Sometimes social media is the only option they really
1: have. Exactly. So as that outlet, it sucks that women are being exposed to this idea that everything in your life should be perfect. You should always look picture perfect. Your house should always be clean. Your kids should always be dressed super cute. Um, and And... In the meantime, they're all selling products, right? Which and and they're profiting off of your insecurity, mind you. Yeah. And uh-huh. it's it's it it sickens me. It really does because I don't think that's any way to live. Is is to sit on sit at home on your phone and look at all these women that look like they have these amazing lives and uh, you know their husbands are probably making a ton of money and they have that's why they have all these nice things mm-hmm. um, and these beautiful houses and that's just like not real life. I'm sorry. Sometimes being a mom just sucks. Like, I don't know that from experience, but I know that because a lot of my friends are moms. I have a mom, et cetera. Um, and I just don't. So even though I'm not a mom, I try my best to be as honest on social media as possible. I don't use it as a highlight reel. I have been very honest and I've been like, you know what? Like I struggle with mental illness and I've explained that and, I, and I'm very open about how I approach Mormonism as well. And I think people would be surprised at the reaction you get by being more authentic than just posting about how like perfect your life is because people want to see people that need they that. Can, can relate to you. Right. Mm hmm. And I just, so that's like what I try to do, even as a non-mother is just be like myself in every facet of my life, whether it's online, in person, whatever. And I just wish that other women would do the same. And I understand that like, it can be intimidating and scary because you don't want to be judged, but I would rather be judged for being myself than being somebody else. Amen. I love that.
0: I feel the same way. Like, I feel like all these fake Instagram and and the few faithful group like mom groups that I am faithful LDS mom groups that I'm a part of full of those influencers. And they like mm-hmm. push their Instagram accounts in these groups all the time. And please follow me, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, and they're just like, it's, it is, it's so fake. And it, it, it compounds the, the, per, the strive, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses and the, the never being yes. worthy and never being enough. And, 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 and yeah, like how, how refreshing is it? The people who are real and like who you can be real with and you don't have to be, try to be anything and, and their life is just as shitty as your life. And then your best friends, because Hey, we <laughs> yes. that's awesome. Like I can be myself around you and I don't have to like work and hold up this fakeness. Like I can just be myself and mm-hmm. yeah, the world needs more people like and that. That's exhausting. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, Colleen, for you, what do you do to help people with that experience? I mean, I think you mentioned being, you know, being real too, but Mm
0: -hmm. what do you do? I don't know. Um, I do try and talk about the fact that. Parenting sucks. Like, even in my podcast, I'm like, oh, my life is shitty right now because I have four kids and they're all out of school. Like I took my kids were out of school for two weeks. I did shit with the podcast for two weeks because I mentally cannot function when they're even in the house. Cause they're like, Colleen, Colleen, Colleen. And I'm like, oh my God, shut up. Oh my God. I can't even think. <laughs> and so like I mentally shut down. Like that's and that I mean that's real life. So I guess that's what I do is I'm like, hey, I don't I don't pretend that I can I can emotionally like I sometimes I'm like I want to say I'm an unfit mother, but then, like, you know, CPS would be at my door, and I'm like, that's not what I meant. I mean, like, <laughs> I can't take care of myself. My kids are fine. I can't take care of myself. So, <laughs> I'm not I now. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not unfit I love poster. it. I think I mother okay. I'm an unfit person. <laughs> Don't take me out for coffee because I'm wearing the same clothes three days ago and I haven't brushed my teeth in a week. But my kids are fine. They brush their teeth every day and night. They're
2: fine. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's they change their underwear. Yes. We're good. It happens. Me? Not so
0: much them. They're fine. <laughs> They're great. <laughs> oh man. And I I did. Um, I started going to, like, right when I was going through my faith crisis, and I kind of lost the community of Mormonism, which is hard to lose. And I was a mom. So I started going to a Christian moms group um, in my neighborhood. And that was, uh, on a faith crisis point, that was really rough to, like, be reinforced. Like, they had a devotional every week and talked about Bible stories, and that was rough. But the thing I did appreciate about the group is that there were very few. There, there were a couple clicky perfect moms, like a handful, and the rest of us were like straight up real moms that didn't take a shower this morning, and my kids all look like ragamuffins and have breakfast all over them. You know, like we were real. And then when like we had a, t- a chance to like chit chat, we were all just all like, "Oh my God, this happened and it's so awful." And like we got a chance to just be real. And I'm like, that's what I need. I don't need moms Mm -hmm. that are just like perfect platitudes and I'm so happy about my kid that did that. I'm like, no, I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. I need you to be just like me and be miserable. mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's get through it together.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What I think is good too is just society wise, more moms are working, more women are working and I think, and feeling okay about working. My, My sister was telling me about, you know, they did a career night, I think for maybe activity days. So my sister is still very active. And she said there was actually only one woman who was a stay-at-home mom and everyone else had jobs. And it was interesting because the one woman was like, I don't feel like I'm adding much. And I don't want I don't want stay-at-home moms to feel that way. Like if you, if that fulfills you and that's what you wanna do, awesome, great. But it was nice to just hear that that was a change. My sister was talking about how 10 years ago, she and one other woman in her ward were like the only working moms and now it's like the majority are working moms. Mm And not because they have to and not because they want nicer things, but because they've actually gotten to a point where they feel comfortable saying, you know, I want to work and I feel fulfilled at work. And then I feel like I'm more, I'm a better mom when I'm at home because I need that fulfillment and I need to be, feel like a whole person. And like you said, (laughs) Paige, there are people who like love everything about being a mom and that fulfills them completely awesome. If you're not that person don't only do that, mm-hmm. do other things. And, you know, I wish, I wish the U S made it easier in terms of childcare. Cause that yeah. is really hard yeah. for some people and it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense, but, but there's other things besides work, just making sure people have their hobbies and, you know, develop themselves the way that they want to.
1: I agree. I'm actually quite inspired by my sister's in law. Um, two of them are pretty devout Mormons, but they both have jobs. They've worked full time as long as I've been a part of the family. And I think long before that, um, they each have a couple kids and they work full time and they make it work. And then my other sister-in-law, who's not a member at all, she does the same thing with her kids. She is a working mom and I, it's in my sister, she works, I think one day a week, just because of her job. It's not, I mean, she works as a dental hygienist for the department of uh, state department of health. So she's only needed once a week. So it's different from what I'm used to because my mom was a stay-at-home mom by choice, and she, that's what she wanted. Um, and my sister is kind of on that side as well. She has a job, but she's mostly staying at home. Then I've got my husband's side, and they're all working moms, and it's nice to be exposed to that. It, it, I, th- I find it inspiring because it is something that, at least in our culture, the Mormon culture, it's, it's not very common, but I'm glad it's increasing in popularity so people feel more comfortable and that that's an option for them.
2: Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting and it just reminded me of a story as I was thinking about examples and like what you're seeing, even though you're an adult and married, you still have these different examples. My niece, who at the time was eight, asked me one time was like, so Auntie Clo-Clo, because that's what they call me. Oh, cute. When when are you going to get married and have babies? And I was like, I don't know, but if I do, I'm not going to be able to like pop down here on a whim and come see you guys. And she's like, you don't ever need to get married and have babies. (laughs) And
1: like, she knows right. what's up that's right, I don't when, you go girl
0: yeah, but that's valuable because that's that's doing your part to kind of change yeah. the stigma. you're 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 yeah. making it real for her that yeah. even she is going to have trade-offs and sacrifices if you choose to have a family, even it's even going to affect her yeah. like it affects a lot of people when you yeah. choose to have kids,
2: hmm and there definitely was a point in time where I really wanted kids, but it wasn't happening. And I still went and like lived my life. And I remember having a conversation when I was getting ready to move to Asia for my job. And a friend of mine being like, well, isn't that, and I think I was 33 maybe at the time. And a friend was like, well, isn't that going to, I mean, that's really going to limit your dating options blah, blah, blah. And I was like, And so what? Like, and it's not really, really. that's the reality of it. It doesn't really, like there are people to date everywhere. I dated a ton in Japan Mm -hmm. and lots of Americans who were over there, Mm -hmm. a couple Japanese guys, but yeah, it didn't limit anything, but I'm not stopping my life. And I think that's another thing that I'm doing is like, I'm not stopping my life and I'm not choosing to go into a field like teaching because I think it's going to be good And teach me, you know, that I'm going to be a better mom. If you want to teach elementary school, awesome. Teach elementary school. Fantastic. If you're doing that because you think it's going to be a good mom job or a good, like, it's going to prepare you to be a mom and you don't really love it, like, don't do it. Yeah, you don't like it, don't do it. Which sounds so easy and is so hard.
0: So, Chloe, I think that's a whole different episode that you and I could do is being single and choosing to be single because like you are single and you know, there's been times where you haven't been okay with it. And then there's times like now that you're more okay with it and it's more a choice. And I feel like, uh, I got married before I wanted to. And then I had a terrible first marriage and then I got a divorce and I, it was, it was hell. Don't get me wrong. It was fucking awful. Getting divorced is terrible. But for the first time in my life, I was living for me and completely for me. And I needed that independence so much. And there were so many life lessons that I learned during that very short time that I was single. So many of them. Even about like dating and relationships with the opposite sex and how I conduct myself in terms of up you know interacting with the opposite sex and the messages that I send and there's just and you know and and paying my own rent and you know being in charge of everything and like being completely self-sufficient like I learned so much and I really kind of I miss that time like clearly I'm happily married but I'm like if I had to go you know if if he didn't exist like I don't want anything to happen to him or us to break up but like if he didn't exist I I think I would be okay being single again like I loved it I really 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 loved it like genuinely deep down in my soul I needed it, and it felt great.
2: Well, and there's something that comes from that, just being able to go, no. And I actually had this conversation with some guy I was texting who I'm going out with tomorrow night, You know, and he was asking me a bunch of questions, and we were just talking like expectations of relationships, and he's actually post-Mo, but left the church way before I did as a teenager. And I was like, I want to be with someone and need to be with someone who knows and is comfortable with the fact that I want to be with them and not that I need to be with them, right? I don't need to be with someone. My life is great, but if I want to be with you, A, it should be even a bigger compliment to you that like, no, I don't need you, but man, do I want you? And I need that to be enough.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Paige, do you have
1: any closing thoughts to wrap us up? A couple. Yes. Um, I guess my primary is just that I mentioned this before is that women are not inherently nurturing people. Um, and, I just would hope that I, I know it's hard, but I would hope that people, women especially, just have the courage to be themselves. Not even just in terms of like their life decisions, but just like being who they are. Um, I understand like completely how there is so much pressure in the church to do all sorts of things, um, motherhood being a huge one. But it would be my greatest like encouragement to others to just. If you don't want kids, like don't have them. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And there are other ways to find fulfillment beyond motherhood for women. And that's something I wish that men understood and other people just around the world understood is that women do not need to be mothers to be fulfilled individuals. Um, I have found fulfillment in my career. I find fulfillment in my hobbies, being with my family and with my husband. Um, there's a whole list of ways you can be fulfilled. Um, Yeah. And I just with back with the talking about love and everything and being single, because I know I wasn't single for very long, but I hate that there's this, like, if you're a single woman, you're like miserable. I hate that that is a, a common perception of single women. When my aunt, who I'm pretty close to, she's almost 40 and she's single, but she like, she's living a great life. She has her own house. She has an amazing career. She has a lot of friends and she has a lot of fun things and she's very involved in our lives as well. So I would love for people to stop thinking that single women are miserable and that like their number one, like desire is to be married and have kids because again, that's not something that all women want. So those are some of my thoughts.
0: <laughs> yeah. Amen. What about you, Chloe? What are your final thoughts?
2: Um, I'm going to build a little bit on what you said. I think for myself, it took a long time to find my worth outside of like being desired as a marriage partner because that's what I had been programmed. And it's funny because I didn't get that from my home life. That very much came from my church experience and my friends experience. And so it took me a long time to go you know what, it's okay that I don't date a ton because I'm pretty selective. And it's like, to get to that point where I was like, no, I have worth and value as an individual and to find that fulfillment. Um, And I love that word that you said around fulfillment. It's not so much about, you know, there's other ways to nurture. It's there's other ways to feel fulfilled. And for some women that is nurturing or nurturing in a different way. For other women, it's doing, Any number of other things, but, but that if I, I feel like if people, if women especially, but men too, just finding your worth as an individual and recognizing that and then being honest with yourself about what you really want because everyone's going to be happier. Mm -hmm. Right, if there's honesty and integrity in making those decisions, and I love taking back the word integrity from like the Mormon definition of integrity and saying, No, it's about being true to who you are and what you want and what you believe. And that would be my kind of parting thoughts is really spend time and figure that out. And it can take a long time, especially if you've been programmed otherwise. and I always, my last thought always is find a good therapist if you need one. Because yes. I My therapist is like, I would die without my therapist and it and he's great and helps me so much. So anyway, there you go. That was a lot of thoughts <laughs> as always. <laughs> I love it. I think
0: the things that are on my mind, I don't even know if that has to do with with, well, it does. It does have to do with choosing motherhood or not, but... I keep thinking about in this conversation the things that used to fulfill me when I had no children. And like I I really enjoyed this is this is how Mormon I was. I two days a week I made lunch in the Bishop's storehouse for all of the the, the missionaries that worked in the Bishop's storehouse on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and I would make them lunch out of the storehouse, like whatever was available. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Not only was it creatively stimulating and you know, I, I enjoyed, I I really enjoyed cooking and making something delicious out of like, it was like a game that I got to play because I would like try and make up recipes based on just what was there. And not only was that in itself fulfilling, But then the people I was feeding every day could not have showered me with more praise and gratitude every single day for what I was doing for them. And that felt amazing. And so like that was one of my most favorite things that I did. I had a beautiful garden because I lived in Washington State and I could just throw seeds out my backyard and stuff would grow out of the grass. No joke. But so it was easy, but it was fulfilling and it 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 could be very hard work. And I poured my nights and days into that. Like I worked full time and then I came home and I spent all my time in the garden also because my marriage sucked. So I'd rather be out there than, you know, inside. And,
1: <laughs> and I loved
0: it. I really loved it. Like I found, I was basically single in my first marriage, let's be honest. And so like, I felt like I, I did all of those things. Like I was, I, I found self-fulfillment. I found other ways to nurture, I adopted an apartment of boys that moved into my ward one summer to sell pest control from Idaho. And I like would, I invited them over for anytime you want to eat, like, just let me know what you want to eat, pick up the ingredients at the store, come over, I'll make it for you. Let's just like, and it it was amazing. I loved it because again, it was cooking. It was fulfilling to me and they appreciated because they were teenage boys and it was amazing. Like, you know, they loved it. And, and of course my, my husband hated it because, you know, I was happy. (laughs) So I guess that's my, Uh, (laughs) those are my parting thoughts is that there are so many ways to find fulfillment. And we really, I think it's important to search within ourselves and find out what that is and be honest with ourselves and find out what mm -hmm. that is. Because like we talked about before we hit record, those kids don't come with a return label. Like... There's (laughs) There's <laughs> no going back. So to be fair to you and also most importantly to potential children, I think it's important to be introspective and decide what does fulfill me. What is the best course of action for my life? And, and really be honest and, and okay with what we decide and allow yourself to make the decisions that are right for you and yoga mm-hmm. and therapy. Yoga is important mm-hmm. and therapy is important those are all things that I don't have time for anymore because I have four kids so that's my bitter take on it like I wish I could do all those things still no I don't take care of myself because I take care of other people so you
2: know. <laughs> right yeah. well, and you. now I'm gonna go sleep in my bed by myself as long <laughs> as I want not really I have to work but <laughs> love it Thanks, ladies.
0: It was a pleasure exploring a topic that we don't get to talk about very often. And it was it was it was very fun. Mm -hmm. Paige, you're gonna have to come back a lot. Oh please,
2: I'd love that. This has been awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well thank you so much. And you couldn't get rid of me if you tried. (laughs) Yes. I'm not gonna try. (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't give my cards up, but I'm not
0: gonna try. Well, thank you. You both have a wonderful
2: evening. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: And that wraps up today's topics. We are so glad you stopped by. Be sure to join the Mormon Happy Hour on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon. If you smiled, please drop us a five-star review wherever you found us. See you next week. Cheers.